When a father leaves his residence on a trip, it is likely that he speaks to someone, a friend, a brother, a neighbor, asking him to look after the affairs of his household. And it's also likely that the father or the husband announces that arrangement to his wife and says, here's my brother's phone number, my cousin, my friend, whoever it may be, if you were to need anything, then this is the person who I've spoken to, I have, arranged, I have made the arrangements, this is the person to call. Likewise, if a businessman decides to leave his business for several days, or weeks or a month, it is likely that this businessman makes an arrangement for a replacement for someone that's going to carry his responsibilities and activities while he's away from the business. Similarly, if a teacher is absent and calls in sick to the school, it is likely that this school will appoint a substitute to come in the classroom and execute the task of this teacher. Similarly, every president has a vice president. The president who is in charge of a country, a president who is in charge of a nation, once he or she are present to execute the task, then they execute the tasks. However, if the president travels, or if the president is absent, or if the president is assassinated, or if the president goes under surgery, or if the president is not able to execute his task, then the vice president comes to execute the task of the president. And in case of the departure, or the death of the president, then the vice president carries out the activities of the president. Now the question that arises here is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his last divine message to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam, which is the completion of the message of Adam, Nuh, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa and 124,000 prophets. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala along with this prophet sends the holy Quran, the most complete of the books. And we spoke of the holy Quran last night. Allah sends Rasulullah along with this book and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam chooses not to appoint a successor after him. Is it likely that a teacher appoints a substitute, 
a president has a vice president. A father leaves his family and chooses someone responsible to look after his family. A businessman travels and appoints someone to look after his business. However, this ummah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in the Holy Quran, Kuntum khayra ummatin. Indeed, you shall be the greatest of this ummah. Rasulullah departs this ummah without appointing or announcing a khalifa. If we were to engage in this discussion, there are many ways to respond to this very particular and extremely important question. And I have chosen to discuss it in the following manner. Number one, we will examine chapter 5, verse 67. Number 2, chapter 5, verse 55. Number 3, chapter 33, verse 33. Number 4, we will examine Hadith al-Manzila. Number 5, we will examine chapter 3, verse 103. And finally, we will examine year 35 to the year 40 when Amir al-Mu'mineen took the Khilafah. And last but not least, number seven, how does this pertain to the mission statement of Sayyidina wa Mawlana al-Imam al-Hussein after your loud salawat ala Muhammadin wa Ali Muhammad? Imam al-Bukhari in his tarikh al-Kabir Al-Suyuti, Al-Tirmidhi. They record this historical account of the 10th year after the Hijrah of Rasulullah from Mecca to Medina. Rasulullah performed the last Hajj, also known as Hajjatul Wida'. And after his return from Mecca towards Medina, he reached an area known as Ghadir Khum. In Ghadir Khum, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah. Ya ayyuhal rasul, O you messenger. Ballig ma unzila ilayka min rabbik. You have been given a message. Deliver the message. Wa illam taf'al, fama ballagta risalatah. And if you were not to deliver the message, it's as if you have not delivered the religion of Islam. It's as, if not, it's as if you have not completely delivered. And I gave the examples yesterday. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam calls the people who had gone ahead, the people in the back, to join in the area known as Ghadir Khum. Now, obviously they all had cattle. Some of them had horses. Some of them had camels. Rasulullah asked them, to take off the saddles from the horses and to create a mimbar for him. So nobody was able to move. Nobody was able to leave. They created a large mimbar for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, putting the saddles on one on top of another. Rasulullah went and he gave a sermon, a prolonged sermon known as Khutbatul Wida', the last sermon. Then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alludes to two things. Listen carefully. Number one, he says, Indeed, my departure from you is near. And the days are numbered until the messenger of Allah, meaning Israel, the angel of death, comes and calls unto me 
and I shall respond to him. Two things. That the angel of death comes to Rasulullah. But Rasulullah has the ability. He can refuse and he shall live. Or he should respond to the call of the angel of death and depart. And Rasulullah says, indeed I will depart. And in a couple of days, inshallah, we will be commemorating Rasulullah. The hadith of the departure of Rasulullah says that the angel of death came to Rasulullah in the last days knocking at the door. Fatima would open the door and say, what do you need? He says, I need to see Rasulullah. She says, Rasulullah is busy. Come back later. So he would come back. Again, she would tell him, Rasulullah is busy. Come back the third time. Rasulullah says, Oh, Fatima, describe him to me. She describes him. She says, Ya Fatima, He's the angel of death. Allow him to enter. He comes and he greets Rasulullah and he says, Ya Rasulullah, Allah has ordered me that I do not seek permission from any prophet except you, any messenger except you. Do you give me permission to perform my act? Rasulullah then gives him permission. So in the khutbah, Rasulullah says, that the angel of death will come and I shall respond to him. The days are numbered. Many of you might not see me again. I am leaving two weighty things amongst you. Inni mukhallifun fikum Kitab Allah wa'itrati al-bayti. Ma in tamassaktum bihima lan tadilla ba'di abada. I am leaving two weighty things amongst you. Number one is Kitab Allah. The book of Allah. And we spoke of the Quran yesterday. It's a navigation that always takes you to your destination. It's a guide that never takes you astray. It's a friend which never lies. Huh? This is the Quran. So Rasulullah says the first mean of huda and guidance and enlightenment is the Quran. I'm leaving that amongst you. Second is my Ahlul Bayt. Kitab Allah. Wa'itrati. What Rasulullah is saying in the very first portion of his khutbah is just like the Quran is truthful, Ahlul Bayt, that I've put next to the Quran are also always truthful. Just like the Quran is a navigation that always takes you to your final destination accurately, to victory, to salvation then my Ahlul Bayt will do the same. Just like when you spend time with the Qur'an, we said what? There is an increase and a decrease. An increase in guidance and a decrease in blindness. When you spend time with my Ahlul Bayt, there is an increase in enlightenment, in awareness, in huda, and a decrease in blindness. Inni tarikun fikum and more importantly, just like the Qur'an is flawless, just like the Qur'an is error-free, just like the Qur'an is ma'soom, then this Ahlul Bayt that I am putting next to the Qur'an are also flawless and ma'soom. Then he continues and he says, Ya ma'shar al-mu'mineen, O you believers, Alastu awla bikum min anfusikum? Am I not superior to you? Do I not have a greater authority unto you than you have unto yourselves? Allah in the Quran says, bil mu'minina min anfusihim. The Nabi, Rasulullah, 
has more authority onto us than we have onto ourselves. So he says, do I not have such authority above you? They said, Bala ya Rasulullah. Did I not deliver all the message? Bala ya Rasulullah. Did you ever find shortcomings from me? No ya Rasulullah. Then he takes the hand of Ali ibn Abi Talib. He raises his hands. Bukhari says, Hatta bana bayadu ibtayhima. Until everyone can see the armpits of Rasulullah. Right? Raising his hand. So no one says we didn't see who it was. Then he says, Man kuntu mawlah fahadha aliyun mawlah. Whoever I was the master of, whoever I had such an authority above, hadha aliyun mawlah. Then he does the dua. Allahumma wali man wala, wa adi man ada, wa ansur man nasara, wa khudul man khadala, wa adiri al-haqqa ma'ahu haythu ma dar. Sallu ala Muhammad wa alimah. O oh Allah, be an ally to those who are allies of the cause of Ali. Be an assistance to those who give assistance to the cause of Ali. And be an enemy to those who are the enemies of Ali. Al-Siyuti, Al-Hakim al-Naysaburi, Al-Zahabi. Go look at those three main references. They say a man by the name of Al-Harith bin Kaldah came to Rasulullah. Al-Harith bin Kaldah, a companion. He said, Ya Muhammad. Ya Muhammad. You told us to pray. We did. You told us to fast. We did. You told us to perform the Hajj. We did. You told us to go to Jihad. We did. Now you take the hand of your cousin, Ali ibn Abi Talib, and you make him our Khalifa and our Amir. Is this from you or is this from Allah? Is this from you or is this from Allah? Now, here, give me your undivided attention. I'd like to make a point. The fact that the event of Ghadir took place is undeniable. No historian, even if he is blind, can tell you Ghadir Khum, the event of Ghadir did not take place. But what is the excuse? That the end event of Ghadir does not mean Ali is the Khalifa. It means something else. If it did not mean Khalifa, how come Harith al-Kindi was complaining? Harith, that day, he picked up on the fact that Rasulullah is appointing Ali as his Khalifa. Not only him, but in Tariq al-Kabir, Imam Bukhari says the first and the second Khalifa came to him. And they said to him, Bakhin Bakhin Lakaya Abal Hassan, Asbahta Maulana wa Maula Kulli Mu'minin wa Mu'mina. Good news, good news, Abal Hassan. You have become our Maula and the Maula of every believing man and woman. So is this from you or is this from Allah? Al Harith asks Rasulullah. Rasulullah says, Wallah alladhi nafsi biyadih. I swear by the, by the name of Allah. Who controls my life and my soul? It is from Allah. It is not from me. Then the man says, Then if it is from Allah, I ask for an eminent punishment. Let Allah take me. Chapter 70. Go look at the references I gave. Chapter 70, verse number 1. Sa'ala sa'ilun bi'adabin waqa'. 
The sa'il, he seeked an eminent punishment. A small pebble hits his head and he dies in front of Rasulullah. Number two, chapter five, verse 55. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Innama waliyukum Allah wa rasuluhu. Walladhina amanu. Alladhina yuqimuna salat. وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَهُمْ رَاكِعُونَ Your wali is Allah, your wali is Rasulullah, your wali is the believers, are the believers who establish salah, they pay charity and ruku'ah. All the books of tafsir, including al-Dhahabi, including tarikh, including al-Tafsir al-Kabir, including tafsir al-Tabari, all of them state... Ali ibn Abi Talib was in the masjid. A poor man came. He asked for money. No one gave him. Ali ibn Abi Talib was in ruku'. He points to him to his ring. He takes the ring as charity. He goes and he sells it. Rasulullah comes to the masjid who gave charity and ruku'. Everybody points to Ali ibn Abi Talib. Rasulullah says, Ya Ali, Allah has revealed Quran onto this matter. What is it? Innama waliyukum Allah. Your wali is Allah. Then... Then this man who established salah and he gave charity and ruku'. It's interesting. This year, and the last day I was leaving Masjid al-Haram, one of those so-called sheikhs there, he stopped me. He said, can we have a conversation? I said, about what? He said, you know, small conversation. I don't know how he knew me. I was just in regular clothes. Just my tishdasha, like any other thousands of hajjis. So I said, sure, what is it? He said, are you Shia? I said, yeah. How did you know? He said, I don't know. I just figured you maybe. So I said, okay, what is it? He said, I want to have a discussion with you. I said, okay, go ahead. He said, do you believe that Ali is the Khalifa? I said, yes. He said, how so? So I gave him this ayah. He said, no, this ayah doesn't mean Ali is the Khalifa. I said, then what does it mean? He said, no, the ayah is broken down. Okay, this is clear. Your wali is Allah. Then Rasulullah. Then Allah describes the believers, any believer, those who establish salah, all believers establish salah. Those who pay charity, all all mu'mineen pay charity. Those who do ruku', all mu'mineen do ruku'. So it doesn't speak about someone specific. It speaks about all the believers. I said, okay. Even so, which one of your khalifa did all those things? Which one of them? Please tell me. Hajjaj? Or Harun al-Rashid? Or Walid? Which one of them? Which one of them did this? إِنَّمَا وَلِيُّكُمُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَهُمْ رَاكِعُونَ Second. And you see here, there are two reasons why we're discussing this topic. Number one is once we are approached by individuals, many of you now, mashallah, go to Hajj, you go to Umrah, you have interactions on the internet with your friends, on the... Uh, school campuses, they come and they ask you, Brother, why do you pray on the sajda? Brother, why do you say Ashhadu Anna Ali Waliullah? Brother, why do you commemorate Ashura? 
Brother, why do you break your fast after us? Brother, why don't you say Amin? Brother, why do you do this? And we start getting engaged in small talk. This is wrong. You tell him, brother, the discussion is who's going to be the Khalifa after Rasulullah? If you accept that Ali ibn Abi Talib is the Khalifa, everything else comes with it. If you accept Ali is the Khalifa, then you have to pray on the more because he says you have to pray on it. Because this is the path he paved. If you say Ali ibn Abi Talib is the Khalifa, then you cannot pray Taraweeh. He did not pray Taraweeh. This is the path he paved. If you say Ali ibn Abi Talib is the Khalifa, you do not say As-Salatu Khayrun Min Al-Nawm. You say Hayya Ala Khayr Al-Amal. This is the path he paved. So the discussion, the most important discussion is, who is it going to be after Rasulullah? Here, we're really just giving some references. And I'm not speaking to the polluted mind. Huh? I'm speaking to an average Muslim who hears us behind this camera. We're giving five, six verses, five, six references from your faith, from your Quran. Look at them. Do they truly mean that Ali is the Khalifa after Rasulullah? If so, then be it. If they don't mean, and after you hear all those evidences, you have the ability to stand in front of Allah on the day of judgment and say, I heard about Ghadir and I acknowledged Ghadir, but it did not mean that Ali ibn Abi Talib is the Khalifa. If you have the ability to say that to Allah on the day of judgment, then be it. To the followers of Ahlul Bayt, this evidence from the Quran, it means Ali is the Khalifa. Is this a crime? To you, it either does mean he is the Khalifa or it doesn't mean he is the Khalifa. But why is it? Why is it? That before we engage in presenting our evidence, why is it before we present the verses and the hadiths from your books, you begin to accuse me, I am a kafir, you're a mushrik, you're this, you're that. So I'm not speaking to those minds, the polluted minds. We're speaking to an average Muslim with a pure heart, willing to see, willing to hear, willing to explore the Quran and the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number three, sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad Number three, chapter 33, verse 33. Rahman al-Rahim. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمُ الرَّجْسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِّرَكُمْ تَطْهِيرًا The wife of Rasulullah, Aisha, in Sahih Muslim, she says, Rasulullah was present in my chamber. He had a cloth from Yemen. Fatima came, Ali came, Hassan came, Hussein came. He put them under the cloth. Then he said, "Inna yuridu Allahu liyudhiba ankum al-rijsa al-bayt Allah chooses to purify you under the cloth and removes all evil from you. And Allah revealed this ayah. She says, "I was present there." Now, what is interesting is. Some people tell you, but this ayah speaks of Ahlul Bayt. And Ahlul Bayt are the wives of Rasulullah as well. And they're included in his household. And indeed, 
Indeed, if you come to me today, you say, who are the members of your household? I'm not going to exclude my wife. Neither any man, neither any woman. When they mention the name of their household, the wife will mention her husband, the husband will mention his wife. However, this is a specific case. How so? Because Tariq al-Kabir of Imam al-Bukhari and other books of history, including Musnad Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, including Sahih Muslim and the Manaqib of Fatima al-Zahra, they say after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed 33-33, for nine consecutive months, Rasulullah would stand in front of the door of Fatima before every salah, and he would say, As-salamu alaykum ya ahlal bayt. Innama yuridullah liyudhib ankum al-rajsa ahlal bayt wa yutahharakum tatahira. Reaffirming who are the ahlal bayt. Reaffirming that this ayah speaks of those particular individuals in this household. Reaffirming that those who have been purified in this ayah are Muhammad himself, Ali, Fatima, Hassan, and Hussein. Now let me ask you a simple question. The pure, who has been purified by Allah, who is sinless according to the Quran, does logic allow us to follow someone that is not pure and leave the pure? Even if Rasulullah had not appointed a Khalifa, this ayah is enough evidence that those purified according to the Quran shall be followed versus those who carry sin, whether it's minor sin or major sin such as shirk. Shirk. I choose someone who worshipped idol for most of their life. Above Ali ibn Abi Talib who never bowed to anyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four is Hadith al-Manzila. Again, one of the most popular narrations. And all the books of the Sahah, all the books of the Muslimin, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he paired the Muslimin, he made them brothers, he kept Ali. He was the last person, he had not paired him with anyone. So Amir al-Mu'mineen says, Ya Rasulullah, you forgot about me. You forgot about me, what about me? Rasulullah says, Ya Ali, I kept you for myself. I kept you for myself. Ama tarva an takun minni bimanzilati haruna min Musa illa annahu la nabiyya ba'di. Ya Ali, do you not desire to be to me like Aaron was to Moses? You're my brother and you're also my Khalifa. Furthermore, Rasulullah here again indicates just like Harun was a prophet and ma'soom, this Khalifa of mine is also a ma'soom, but with one exception, illa annahu la nabiyya ba'di. The only exception is you're not a prophet. There is no prophet after me. But Harun was the successor of Musa. You are my successor. Harun was the brother of Musa. You are my brother. Harun was Ma'soom. You are Ma'soom. Harun was my ally. You are my ally. Harun was my wazir. You are my wazir. 
Now, when this discussion arises, many come and say, let us have three loud salawats. Please come as forward as you can. Sallu ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. As forward as, as forward as you can. As much as you can, please. Three loud salawats and move forward. Thank you. When the discussion arises on the khilaf of Amir al-Mu'mineen and the Imams after him, we often hear Hold on to the rope of Allah. Do not create disunity. And believe me, this does not create disunity. This only creates awareness and understanding. But what is funny is, if you look at his Al-Hakim Al-Haskani and his book Shawahid Al-Tanzil, there's a book by one of the most prominent Sunni Imams that discusses in this book why every verse was revealed. So if you want to know why every verse was revealed, he has a book that tells you where and why was any verse revealed. And part of understanding the message of any ayah is to find out why was this ayah revealed. When you go to this ayah, chapter 3, 103, and hold on to the rope of Allah. And do not disunite. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam recites the ayah. Then Ali ibn Abi Talib is approaching. He says, whoever wants to hold on to the rope of Allah and whoever wants to remain united until the day of judgment where I meet you on the hawth, then hold on to the rope of this man and to the teachings of this man. Not just him, but the guided righteous imams from his progeny. So when we want to discuss wahda, unity of the Muslims, in light of this ayah, this ayah is clear. When it was revealed, Rasulullah sets the road, paves the avenue for us that takes us to Islamic unity. Under the banner of Sayyidina wa Mawlana Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi Now with all this evidence, with all this evidence, like I said, some people will look at this and say, yes, indeed, I cannot sleep the night and wake up tomorrow and the day of judgment, face my Lord and said, I heard about Hadith Al-Manzila, I heard about Ghadir, I heard about Ayat Al-Tatheer, I heard about chapter 5, verse 67, chapter 5, verse 55. And still say this does not mean that Ali is the Khalifa after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa But regardless, in the year 35 after the Hijrah, there was only one democratic election in Islamic history. Amir al-Mu'mineen describes it. He says, they came into my house. There was a stampede, hatta wuti' al-hasanan. Even Imam Hassan and Hussein could not keep the doors closed. They came, they put their hands, Ya Abu al-Hassan, we're here to give you allegiance. Amir al-Mu'mineen says, go find someone else besides me. They said, no, no, no. 
We're not leaving until you take this allegiance from us. So Amir al-Mu'mineen insisted. They said, no, ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, ya Ali, we're not leaving until you take the bay'ah. So Amir al-Mu'mineen had several conditions. Amongst the most important conditions was that he says, all the money from bayt al-mal shall return. حَتَّى تُسْتَرْجَعَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَإِنْ زُوِّجَ بِهَا الْنِسَاءِ وَاشْتُرِيَ بِهَا الْإِمَاءِ He says the money shall return to Bayt al-Mal even if men have married women with this money. Meaning they have paid dowries. They return the money. Even if they have purchased slaves with this money, the money has to be returned. This is my first condition. So they went... They tried to gather the funds. They brought it back to Baytul Mal. Of course, many of it was stolen and gone. As much as they could, they brought it back to the Islamic treasury. Amir al-Mu'mineen took the Khilafah from them in the year 35 after Hijrah. The only democratic election. All the Muslims had an agreement that he is the Khalifa. The first battle of Jamal. First battle of Jamal, 18,000 Muslims were killed. Then the battle of Safin. What did this man do? And then in the battle of Safin, 75,000 Muslims were killed. And the battle of Nahrawan, 8,000 Muslims were killed. A total of 100,000 Muslims. And the short period of the Khilafah of Ali ibn Abi Talib. There were absolutely no expansions. The Muslim Empire did not expand even by an inch. And expansions, what did they mean? Expansions meant money. Because they expand, they take slaves, they acquire property, they invade land, they distribute that amongst the army, the army is prosperous, they're making good money. Now the army is fighting amongst itself. So there is no booties of war. There is no money. There is no expansion. They're exhausting the empire of Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi alayhi. And that is why you find some Muslim historians today tell you, indeed the time of the Khilafah of Ali ibn Abi Talib was the failure of the Muslims. It's not a time where I look back and say, wow. Such an amazing time. We had expansions. We had wealth. We had prosperity. Indeed, it's a time of a man who came in power and left and he didn't know anything about governance. In the year 2002, in the United Nations extensive report, it states, United Nations, huh? Extensive report, it states, Ali, the son of Abu Talib, is indeed the fairest governor in human history. Ali, the son of Abu Talib, is indeed the fairest governor in human history. Allahu Akbar. Now, let me ask you something. If he wasn't Muslim, if he wasn't even Muslim, wouldn't we as Muslims have to go and read? Who was this fairest governor in history? What did he do? How did he achieve the status of being the 
fairest governor in human history. No one is like him so far. But no. Ali ibn Abi Talib keeps, of course, being forgotten and fought until today. But why is it that Ali ibn Abi Talib was able to achieve the status? And finally, how do we relate this to the mission statement of Imam Hussein? This is where I'm trying to take you all. It's because Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen had a different philosophy in life. You the followers of Ali, you the beloveds of Ali, you who adhere to the teachings of Ali, listen to this. His opponent, such as Muawiyah, when he came into Kufa, he had demolished the people of Iraq. He sat on the member of Kufa. What did he say? He said, Ya Ahl al-Iraq, O people of Iraq, Wallah, he swears by Allah, Ma qataltukum likay tusallu, aw tasumu, aw tahujju, aw tuzakku. O people of Iraq, I did not fight you so that you pay zakat or you pay khums, you pay zakat or you go to hajj or you do jihad or you pray. I didn't do any of this. But I fought you so that I can rule you, I can govern you, I can take over you so that you become my subjects. Al Hajjaj who was the governor of Iraq, of Bani Umayyah, they say that Hajjaj, when he would leave his house going to the masjid every day, he would not walk on ants, grasshoppers, and different insects. He would look here and there, make sure he doesn't step on an ant, he doesn't step on a grasshopper, he doesn't step on an insect. He was reading the Quran in the masjid, they came to him, they said, Hajjaj, guess what? What? You have become the governor of Iraq. So he kissed the Quran, he put it on the shelf, he said, This is Hada Firaqun Baini wa Bainak. This is my goodbye between you and me. Bye bye. What did Hajjaj do? Starts his day by killing the Shia. Finishes his day by killing the followers of Ahl al Bayt. In one in one battle. In one battle, in one order, by one army, he killed 35,000 people. 35,000 people, whoever attributed himself directly or indirectly to Ahl al-Bayt must be killed. This is Hajjaj. Why? Because they had to clinch to power by any means necessary. We hold on to this power and authority by any means necessary. But on the contrary, what was Ali's philosophy? Was it power? Did he even want power or khilafah? One day when he became the khalifa, Qambar came to him. He said to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, there's a delegation. They have come. They're important people. They've come from the Muslim empire to greet you on khilafah. And he was fixing his sandal. He was fixing his sandal. Ibn Abbas says, he looks at me. He looked at Ibn Abbas while Qambar had said this. He said to him, Ibn Abbas, how much is this sandal worth? Ibn Abbas said, the sandal was so torn, it was worthless. But I told him one dirham, like one penny. 
سسد يا ابن عباس والله I swear by Allah إن هذه خلافتكم all this خلافة أدنى is worth less is worth less than this sandal to me if I do not give justice to those who are oppressed and I do not take power away from those oppressors this is Ali's philosophy towards governance towards rule one day he says Wallah لو أعطيت الأقاليم السبع if Allah gives me everything in this universe وَمَا فِيهِنَّ وَمَا بَيْنَهُنْ and everything within this universe the seven heavens and the seven skies and whatever is between them if Allah gives this to me لو أعصي الله بنملة so that I can Take away the right of a small ant. Aslibuha. Jiz'a sha'ir. Carrying a small piece of its food, of its grain. Carrying a small grain, an ant carrying a, a grain. If Allah gives me all of this, I would not do such an injustice. This is Ali ibn Abi Talib. And that is why when they look at him, they look at his legacy, what do they say? They say he is the fairest governor in human history. We have, to, we have to learn of this legacy. And when we come to one of the most important tasks, one of the most important tasks of the universal pulpit of Imam Hussein, we find that in his mission statement, he, he makes this extremely clear. I began my lecture with his mission statement. إني لم أخرج أشرا ولا بطرا ولا مفسدا بل خرجت لإصلاح أمة جدي رسول الله لكي آمر بالمعروف وأنهى عن المنكر وأسير على سيرة جدي وأبي. This reform will come while I follow the footsteps of my grandfather and my father, Amir al-Mu'minin. My father, Amir al-Mu'mineen. It is indeed the way that he paved that I will take. He makes it clear that the imamah, the leadership after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam resumed with the legacy of his father, Amir al-Mu'mineen. And Imam Hussein was a continuation of that legacy. So when he stood and the 10th of Muharram when he stood in the 10th of Muharram, he said, Ansibuni man ana? Tell me, who am I? They said, you are the grandson of Rasulullah. He says, do you know any other grandson to any other prophet on the face of this earth? No, we do not. Why are you here to kill me? Of our hatred towards your father, Ali ibn Abi Talib. Our hatred towards your father, Amir al-Mu'mineen. And let me ask you something. Has this stopped? The hatred towards Ali ibn Abi Talib? Are they still, sell, you still tell them, who am I, what crime have I done? They say, nothing, you haven't done any crime. So why are you being an enemy? Because of your love for Ali. Because of your love for Ali, you're gonna lose your job.
Because of your love for Ali, we're going to plant some bombs. Because of your love for Ali, we're going to destroy the masjid. We're going, because of your love for Ali, we'll cancel the flights going to Najaf. Because, because, because. And we endure this hardship and difficulty for the sake of Ahl al-Bayt. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. But what do they do in return? Do they forget those? who endure hardship and difficulty because of them, Allahu Akbar. No, Allahi, they will not. He continued and continued to face hardship after the demise of Rasulullah. One day he comes home, Fatima al-Zahra says to him, Ya Abu al-Hasan, O cousin, when you leave in the streets, the people say salam to you. This is Ali ibn Abi Talib. Do they say salam to you? He says, no, Fatima, they do not say salam to me. Then he says to her, Ya bint Rasulullah, or the daughter of Rasulullah, even when I say salam to them, they do not respond to my salam. This is your imam. This is your imam. Until he kept saying, Ilahi, Ilahi, ab'ath ashqaha, likay yukhadhib hadihi bihadih. Oh Allah, send that man who's going to die my beard with the blood of my head. Until the 19th of Ramadan when he looked into the skies and he said, Hiya, hiya, wallah, al-layla allati akhbarani biha, habibi, rasulullah. Then he goes to the masjid and he is struck by the sword of Ibn Muljam. He falls into the mihrab. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.